welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hi, hi. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I am in Minnesota. I'm here for my sister's wedding reception and um, so excited to be celebrating the marriage of my sister to Matt, um, as you may recall. I officiated her wedding in Fort Myers Beach in April, and then now today is the big celebration um, in Minnesota. So very exciting. So this week's episode, I recorded a conversation with my friend Rachel last week um, about a book that she told me about that changed her life. I read it. I feel like it changed my life and my relationship with food um, and alcohol forever. So the book is called Alan Carr's Quit Drinking Without Willpower be a happy non-drinker. So Alan Carr wrote a series of books, um, this easy way method, where he basically uses logic to expose the brainwashing and lies that we believe about certain things that are taking up too much space in our lives. So Rachel had grabbed this book. Um, She's my client in Minnesota. She trains, um, strength trains with me virtually through my app. And we hit a point where you know, she was in great shape and she was doing well and her weight was, you know, great, but we couldn't get the shreds. We couldn't get the definition. We couldn't get that last 10%. And I, you know, I mentioned to her, it's, it's the alcohol. If you can cut the alcohol out, you can really get to that strength training level that you're capable of. Your body is going to reflect it visually and you're going to feel good. And, you know, alcohol just really steals your gains. And, um, but she, you know, continued to have alcohol in her life and it wasn't a big deal. It's not like she was, she was definitely not what she would call an alcoholic with a drinking problem. But she, um, she'll talk about it in our conversation. She found this book and she decided to stop drinking. And all of a sudden I started to get messages from her. Like, I feel like I can live so much better. I'm feeling so good. I feel so strong. She started to hit PRs. I started to see in her app, in all of her workout history that she was setting personal best right and left. And it's all because of not drinking. So I read the book. It totally changed my relationship with food. So I said, come on the podcast. Let's talk about the book. You talk about it, how it's affected you with drinking. And I'm going to talk about how it affected me and my relationship with sugar and simply overeating, something that um, I've been working on since I started my weight loss journey and also something that I work with a lot of clients on um, transformation and weight loss. So I feel like I got so much out of this book for myself and then so much for the people that I coach and all of the, the programs that I put together now and in the future. It's just, it's just amazing. And, um, you'll hear me say amazing way too many times. So I'm going to just, I edited this a little bit, please forgive. There's a little bit of crackling and I had to edit it a little rough because we were on a connection. She's in Minnesota. I was in Miami and we were just on an internet connection that wasn't perfect. So it's a little, um, a little choppy in a couple spots, but it doesn't detract from the overall, uh, power of her experience and how great this book is. So if you want to pick it up, it's on Amazon. Alan Carr's Quit Drinking Without Willpower. 
there is, like I said, he's got, we talk about it in the episode. I was looking on Amazon while she and I were talking and I realized that there were so many different iterations of the book. I didn't realize that when we started talking, but um, this logic method is phenomenal and he has helped, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people overcome all kinds of addictions, um, smoking, drinking, sugar, etc. So enjoy our little conversation coming up next here. And if you want to get a copy of it, you can find it on Amazon, paperback, Kindle, audiobook, etc. Welcome to the episode. I have my friend Rachel here with me today. I'm really excited to talk about a topic that I guess I haven't ever touched before. And Rachel blew this this idea um, wide into my my awareness, and it just changed it changed my life. And I feel like it's going to change everyone's life who listens to this episode and who will read this book. So, welcome, Rachel. Hi. Nice to be here. <laughs> Rachel's all the way in Minnesota and I'm in Miami, so we're doing this with our phones. So if, if it's a little crackly sometimes, you'll just forgive us because you're nice listeners. That's cool. <laughs> yes. So I'm just going to get started by um, asking the obvious question of what is the book we're talking about and how did you find it? So the book is called, well, it's written by Alan Carr and the book is titled Quit Drinking Without Willpower. And it's just, it's literally the single book that has changed my life. I read a lot, um, but I've never had a book change my life like this one has. It just has like opened my mind completely, like busted it open. And yesterday was your 100 day of sobriety. Uh, yeah, it was actually Monday, Memorial Day was my 100th day of sobriety. And it is so crazy for me, you guys. I am a I'm a wino. I love my wine. Um, I couldn't go a week without drinking. So there was many times where I tried and I just couldn't like I, I lacked what I thought was the willpower. Um, and what I learned in the book was like, it dissected why I drank and made me dissect those and came to the conclusion that there really is no good reasonable reason for me to drink so then I just stopped wanting it and it's like changing your mindset because I've tried to just like do a dry January before I've tried to you know just say hey I'm not going to drink this week and I would fail uh, I tried 75 hard and I couldn't make it because I, I wanted to drink, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I thought, you know, I just lacked willpower. And what the book teaches you is that you don't need willpower. You just have to like educate yourself that you actually don't want it, that you actually don't have fun drinking, that you actually get nothing out of it. So, yeah. So um, you touched on it kind of briefly. But just going back a little bit. So what, what's your alcohol history? What, what, you know, well, how old are you? I don't even know how old you are. You're younger than me. (laughs) I'm 38 years old and I have been drinking consistently since I was probably 16. Um, You know, in my early, in my teen years and then my twenties, I was a big time binge drinker, you know, college, um, just like everybody else. I would go out and get 
crap-faced like Thursday through Sunday and sometimes the other days too. I mean, I just, you know, I was a big drinker, um, but I also exercised a lot and I was just one of those people that in college I could go get blackout drunk one night and I would wake up in the morning and go for a run. Um, so I was just like a high functioning drinker most of my life. Uh, I tapered it down as I became older. So obviously like I grew up um, <laughs> and I eventually became a mom and that's when I really started cutting back. Like I, you know, once I became a mom, I didn't really go get like blackout drunk anymore. Um, it was incredibly rare if that were to happen. Uh, it's been years. So, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't like a, I wasn't an alcoholic. Uh, I don't consider myself an alcoholic. Uh, I probably was drinking when I quit. Uh, recently, I was probably drinking, like I tell people, eight drinks on average per week. So like over the course of a week, I might have about eight drinks. So I'd usually have two or three in a sitting a couple times a week, two, three times a week. Okay. Um, so not like, a, I wasn't, not a lot. I mean, I was never drunk, um, but it was enough to affect me negatively in a big way. And and I honestly didn't even know how badly it was affecting me until I quit for a couple months. And it started to dawn on me, like all the all the ways it affected me that I just didn't even realize, you know? So when you picked up the book, um, what were you, what were you hoping to change? Like, did you come to a point where you're like, I don't want to be doing this anymore? Or was it just curiosity? What was the reason you actually picked it up and, and read it? Cause reading a book, I mean, I know it's not like the hardest thing to do, but you have to be pretty interested in something to pick up a book and read all the way through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, a couple reasons. Yeah, I was just sick of like the mental gymnastics you play in your head, which you probably do with food, um, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna do this today so that I can have two drinks tomorrow. And, um, you know, if I drink today, then um, I'm, I can't drink tomorrow, because that would be bad. You know, like the, the, the mental games we play in our heads around our drinking or our food, in your case, um, it, it's crazy, you know, it takes up so much mental capacity. Um, and then like, I'm a very, like athletic person, I prefer I know what it, I know what it feels like to feel really good. So like, it was affecting it affects my training for sure. Um, so I hated that, that, you know, if I, if I did go out and drink, I was sacrificing, like feeling good at the gym the next day. Um, and I thought that that was like a reasonable trade-off. Um, but you know, I just learned that it wasn't. And then the second reason was, uh, my husband drinks a lot and I wanted, he's been wanting to quit for a long time. And I thought, if I could quit, maybe that would help him. And it did. He's been sober with me for a hundred days now. So wow. Amazing. Yeah. Well, so I we're love doing it together. The point, <laughs> the point too that you're making is really, really important is like, we're not talking about two people that were in, you know, you're not in the throes of active alcoholic behavior at risk of losing everything. You're drinking at a no. level that most people in society would you know, do and don't have a problem with it, but often don't share or are honest about the fact that it is a lot of mental energy. And especially if you want to be fit and healthy, the reason I picked this book up when you mentioned it was because 
as a coach, I have a lot of clients who we can get their nutrition dialed in and their workouts dialed in, but they have like this iron grip on, well, I have to have wine at work events. I have to have wine on the weekend. And I don't understand it because it's not, it's not something that I was around. So I wanted to understand. (laughs) Yeah. And then I'm like, well, you know, what's the big deal? It's just alcohol. And so I wanted to understand. So reading this book was an eye opener for me on what goes on in the brain around alcohol. And as you said, I, this blew my life wide open because I used this book. I took a pen and I changed the words alcohol to sugar for me because sugar is my drug of choice. My thing that I've spent so much mental energy on and overeating. And so the logic in this book, I don't care what it is that just simply is taking a little bit too much energy and you're tired of it, this book addresses, which I feel like it's magic. And why why didn't someone call me? But well, luckily you did. Yeah. (laughs) This is so amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm your client. Yes. (laughs) Um, there was times where Kristen would, you know, set my macros and I wouldn't hit them because I was drinking and I didn't want to give it up, you know, so that I have seen great results from Kristen, obviously. Um, but I'm now that I'm a hundred days in, I'm starting to really see like awesome results without doing, with doing nothing extra. I'm doing nothing extra. Yeah, it's I just stopped drinking. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go into a little bit about what, why the book is so powerful. So Alan Carr's yeah. Drinking Without Willpower. I think a lot of the things that human beings struggle with, it's based on a flawed logic. We, we are believing a lie. And I think the main thing yes. he does in this book is he uncovers the lies that we all believe in regards to alcohol. And then I translate that into sugar so he you know the the book is one you have to commit to drink the whole drink the whole thing to read the whole thing so you can get all of this logic and all put together it makes the case but basically talks about the the lies that we believe so was there any particular lie about alcohol that you really felt like was uncovered in this book yeah the lie that it's fun um I told myself that alcohol was fun like oh I'm going on the boat I need to have alcohol to have fun I'm going uh on a vacation I need to have alcohol to have fun like everything I did like I associated alcohol with fun so if I was having fun I was going to involve alcohol you know um and the thing that the book really talks about is um it it, it teaches you to analyze I think while you're reading the book, honestly, I really think you should keep drinking because I reading the book and then I would drink and then I would analyze how I felt um, while drinking because of, you know, the things I read in the book. So what I learned was I actually didn't have fun when I was drinking, like now that I was like aware of it and being like extra, um, yeah, just extra aware of like my feelings and paying attention to it. So I learned that I, I would have fun for like the first, you know, maybe 30 minutes of drinking when you're feeling that buzz, when you, when it first starts to kick in and you get that little buzz, you know, and that's like that exciting feeling Um, that I liked, um, but it passed so fast. It passed faster than I realized. So like it taught me to like 
to time that feeling, like time that feeling and like try and be aware of how long you're getting that buzz and that good feeling for. Um, and it's usually like around 30 minutes for me. And then it, and then I start to feel a little lethargic. Um, I start to feel a little, uh, like I, I, I stop talking as much, you know, like I'm just, I'm not a, like, I, I start having a hard time, uh, forming thoughts and I mean, I'm still talking and I'm still, you know, even after one, two drinks, I'm still just acting like a normal person, but like, I don't feel good. You know what I mean? Like I became aware that I didn't feel good and I didn't feel my best after that, like one or two drinks. Mm. Um, and then if I were to continue drinking, I was ch- like, they teach you in the book after the, you, that buzz wears off, you keep drinking because you're trying to chase that buzz feeling again, but you're never going to get it. It's just going to keep going downhill from there. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and that, and that just like made so much sense to me. I'm like, Oh my God, you're right. Like after the buzz is gone, it, it just is never, it never feels good again. Like you, you keep drinking, 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 trying to like maintain or get that feeling, but you're never going to get it. And you, you never will. Um, you're only just going to get more drunk and more, um, you know, you're going to lose all your senses. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And and the same thing with, I mean, it's numbing. The same thing with it food. I, always, I use the analogy of the first Dorito is so good. And then we keep eating the Doritos and then eventually we don't really yeah. taste them. We just keep sticking our hand in the bag because we, yeah. we think they're going to be good again, but they really just turn into nothing. It's kind yeah. of the same thing. I mean, they don't get the buzz with the food, but, um, but it's the same thing. We have this idea that it's fun or like it's indulgent when really. Yeah. I not. mean, I do get that way with food. Like sometimes if I'm like, oh, I shouldn't eat that. I don't need it. I'm not hungry, but I'm going to eat it anyways. It's junk. Um, but I'm going to eat it anyways. And I'll like, while I'm eating it, it's enjoyable, but immediately after it's like, shit. Yes. <laughs> you well, know? That's, that's what <laughs> now I, I feel. Now I feel like crap. <laughs> yes. And that is where this book is so, so closely related to food because for those of us who eat food for reasons other than just ending the hunger pang, which I think, yeah. I think everyone, ex- there's not one of us who only eats in response to a growling stomach and stops when that's satisfied. We all eat um, for other reasons and that's not all terrible. But when we start to notice that we're choosing food instead of dealing with our feelings or instead of, you know, for me, it's emotional or it's boredom busting or it's work avoidance or it's just because it's there. And when I started to pay attention to um, why I was doing it and if I really needed it, I was shocked to see that, you know, when I have the treat, it's this feeling of rebellion. Like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm not going to regret this later. And then, yeah, maybe 10 minutes in, I'm done chewing it. It's over. The joy is over, but I'm stuck with all the bad feelings. And right. so, yeah, exactly. To that it's lie, exactly the same as alcohol. Yeah. It's, it's the lie of this is fun when really it's enjoyable for a few moments. And then how long does it take for me to get back to where I was before I ever ate or where, before I ate in the first place? He talks a lot about how it's not alcohol that you're craving. It's you're craving the relief of withdrawal. And he made yes, a nice you analogy. You get in a cycle. 
Yeah, the mm-hmm. analogy he made where he said, you know, if someone is white knuckling it, white knuckling it, and finally they give in and they have a drink, immediately they say they feel relief, which physically it's impossible to have the feeling from alcohol give you relief immediately. It takes time to metabolize. So that relief is not the alcohol. It's the it's the relief of the withdrawal feeling. And yeah. that I relate to 100% with food. It's not that that chocolate is going to make me feel so good. It's giving in and saying yes to something that I don't want to say no to. That feeling yeah. of withdrawal from having something indulgent when really now I have just don't have the craving, but now I have all the negative things that go with it. So that knowing that it's not the alcohol that you're craving, it's the relief of the withdrawal feeling was the biggest yep. key for me in this entire book and honestly a lot of it is just it's a habit like it's just breaking the habit you know um the eating bad food the drinking uh these are just habits these are things we do it's like I associated like I said alcohol with boating I associated alcohol with nice weather I associated alcohol with like all these things. And so when those things happened, I was like, well, surely it's time to drink, you know? Um, And you could probably say the same about like sugar. It's like, you probably associate like uh, events, you know, special occasions with like cake, you know, or um, stuff like that. And it's like, we can, we can swap that habit out for like a new habit. Absolutely. (laughs) Nothing stopping us from doing that. But breaking that habit is what needs to be done. And once you do, you're like, crap, I don't even know why I habitually did that all the time. Well, and Um, it was mindless. That pressure, you know, that that he talks about here, too. And maybe you have had experience in the last hundred days with this. But he talks about the when you go to a party and you say, I'm not drinking. People have a hard time a lot of times with that. Well, why? What's going on? They have a hard time with one person in a room not drinking at the social occasion or the one person at the birthday party who doesn't have cake. Oh, why aren't you having cake? There's this social pressure of those yep. those same expectations. You drink, you have a champagne toast at a party or you have wine with dinner. Why aren't you drinking? Why? Well, do you not drink? People really, there's a pressure. Have you felt pressure or have you been in situations where you've had to explain it or felt pressure? Um, no. And I thought I would. So, uh, I, it's been, that has actually been one of the greatest eye opening things about this is I assume everybody drank like me and they 100% do not. (laughs) Like I thought that, uh, people drank as frequently as I did and um, I'm learning that maybe I was the pusher a lot of times or the encourager of the drinking a lot of times because I wanted to so other people just would Um, but no I I have realized there are a lot of people who don't drink um, first of all which I didn't realize um, or just drink very little and um no my friends have been great i i don't care if people drink around me like i said i'm not an alcoholic so it's not a trigger i'm choosing not to drink by choice it's a choice it's not and it wasn't out of necessarily me needing to i didn't lose anything you know yeah like you said earlier i didn't i didn't lose a bunch of stuff and be forced it wasn't forced into this um so i have no problem with drinking people drinking around me um and so 
so yeah i don't get any comments from people about it nobody really cares to be honest and that has been really cool it has showed me that i have really good friends amazing that's awesome yeah yeah that's helpful i think um until we, you know, some people experience it when they do a dry January or something like that. They experience that where they realize that it's not so hard to be the only person drinking. But no. um, but often to be able to realize, like, it's pretty insightful to say, oh, maybe I was the pusher. I know I've been that way with, with donuts. I always say, you know, I, I <laughs> me and my donuts. There are people who are like, I don't really like donuts, but I'll have them because it's such a big deal to you. Like, Roy doesn't really care that much about donuts. But yeah. You know, I'm a donut pusher. <laughs> and- I'm not a donut person either, but I've eaten donuts just for you. Yeah. Yes. You've gotten you too. Yes. Well, and to, to start associating in what you said about it being a habit is 100% true. There are just so many things that are programmed into um, not only our lives, but just in society. And it's shown to us the marketing, um, you know, people associating yeah you know, beer with a good time and family and friends, they don't show the hangovers, the bloated, you know, the next day working out, not being able to, you know, pick up your kids and not get a little bit of a head rush. They don't show that side of it. And a lot of people don't drink enough to where they have major detriments, but it absolutely affects your health in the long run. It absolutely affects your ability to perform the next day. If if it doesn't when you're 20, it certainly does when you're 30. And the parallel with food is is the same. They, you know, I used to work in an office. We had cake once a month for all the birthdays. And it was in the middle of the afternoon. And everyone would be so excited about the cake. And then there was so much shaming of like, you're not going to have cake? Oh, come on. But then two hours later, the whole office is lethargic and feeling like garbage. And when I stopped having birthday cake, I was like, you guys. I'm not saying no to cake because I'm an, and I'm going to miss out on the cake. I'm going to miss out on what's going to happen in two hours when this whole office looks like you got hit by zombies and you hate the way you feel. Like, let's be honest about yes. what we're actually giving up when we say no to these things. Well, and one thing I want to say to that, we aren't giving anything up. No, that's what I learned. That was the biggest revelation I had. Like when I quit drinking alcohol, I didn't give anything up. Like I gained so much. I gave nothing up. I gave up hangovers. I gave up the mental gymnastics. I gave up feeling like crap. I gave up, um, you know, just that negative self-talk that I couldn't, uh, you know, I gave up bad parenting. Uh, I gave up so much negative stuff by quitting drinking and I've gained infinite amounts of uh, benefits from it. So it's also just like, yeah, like, like you were just talking about changing your mindset. Like when you were saying no to cake, you're not giving anything up. You're, you're gaining a lot. It takes effort, but when we stop telling ourselves we are we are poor us and we're sacrificing and this is hard. It ceases to be those things. It's a lie. It's a trap. And this book digs through those. And it's so powerful to see the logic. It's like having hiring a really good lawyer to fight <laughs> smarmy, crappy, cheap lawyer in your head that wants to take advantage of you, which is what these lies do. Yeah. And when you give, when you, say no to the alcohol or the sugar 
you do you you replace it with something and oftentimes it's it's something more beneficial so like now in the like afternoon around that happy hour time uh when I feel like I am getting the urge like I there's I need something you know um I'll roll out my yoga mat and like do some stretching or I'll go garden or I'll like I'll do something um and so that's where like giving it up has I've gained so much um because I'm replacing that time with like new positive habits yes yes when uh the book talks about when when you drink and then the alcohol leaves your system it leaves this like itch almost and so when we when we can figure out what to put there instead of the alcohol you never experience that itch so like something like stretching if you got in the habit of stretching if you don't stretch for a day you're gonna miss the stretching but by stretching, you're not creating another deficit. Same with like, I was eating way too much during the day. I was overeating, which is one thing that I've really curbed with this book. And then I'd have to yeah. take a two hour nap in the afternoon. And now I don't get tired in the middle of the day. And now I've been able to fit in an afternoon walk. So I've been able to add walking to my life, which has been way healthier. I don't need a yeah. nap. So I've, I've set aside this little habit and I've gained, I've gained time. I've gained energy. I've gained a nice tan from walking outside. I've gotten so much, but that lie of, oh, I'll be missing something if I don't have this or, you know, with me, with food, it's not always that I was eating something unhealthy. It's that I was, eat, you know, eating three apples because I wanted to scratch that itch of eating. Well, I don't need those. I don't even need one apple in that situation. And so to really be able to say, what am I actually giving up? And then what do I get? I got, I got time, energy, clarity, um, so much more as well, but it takes, it takes the, the time to, like you said, be aware and notice and pay attention and be willing to do something different to build the new habit. You have to be willing to put the effort in to listen, pay attention, and then be intentional about changing what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it is uncomfortable at first. Um, There was a lot of times where I just didn't know what to do with myself. uh, And so I just had to keep busy. Like I just had to, I would just do anything like um, early sobriety days. I became like an obsessive cleaner (laughs) because cleaning was like how I kept myself busy. Like my house was the most organized it's ever been. Um, I was like cleaning out closets and like I I did a garage sale Kristen I've never (laughs) once in my life wanted to do a garage sale I've never had the desire to do a garage sale not my thing I did a garage sale I was like I need to I need to I need to do a garage sale (laughs) you know I mean the 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 sides of you that come out when you just like are forced to keep yourself busy um it's very it's it's fun uh it's fun like I feel like there are times right now where I feel like I'm just rediscovering who I am all you know uh like I suppressed who I was for so many years sugar's not like this I don't think but alcohol it it numbs you so um it's it's an it numbs you it numbs all of your senses and that was one thing that they kind of pushed in the book too was you think you are having fun, but like you're numbing yourself. How can numbing yourself be fun? Right. Exactly. Um, and so now that I don't drink, I have noticed like I'm 
more into like anything that involves sight, taste, uh, sound, you know, all my senses, um, smell, all of my sense, like I love lighting candles now. I love listening to music. I mean, I did before, but I do it even more now. Like all my senses, it's like I have operating at a hundred percent at a hundred percent of the time. And it's like, I want to use them. Um, it sounds really corny or weird, but, uh, that is been really eye opening. Um, you just become more aware of like how you feel and what you need. And then you do that thing. I love that. How you feel and what you need. He talks in this book about a lot of us, these things we do is like fulfillment. We're looking for fulfillment and, that what you just said resonates yeah. so much for me at the end of the day, when I want to eat, I have to stop and say, well, what is it that you really need? And sometimes yeah. it's like, I've been working all day. I just want some pleasure. I just want something that's for me. So then I have to stop and say, what's something pleasurable and just for me. That's not food. It's like, well, you know, I would just be really happy to like get in bed with my book and I just want to relax with my doggy. That will soothe me. Whereas I didn't even stop to notice. It was just, it's the end of the day. Now I'm going to eat something indulgent. This is my thing. Well, I didn't need food. I've never needed food before bed. I need connection or soothing or rest. That's what I really need. And unless we stop, we don't really see what is the need and what would actually meet the need instead of masking the need, which is what I think a lot of these things, drugs, alcohol, food, all these things, they mask the need instead of meeting what's really yeah it really prevents us from taking care of ourselves in like just a basic way um and you know we have so many people that struggle with mental health and i i truly feel like that's a large part of it it's a large part of our struggle is that we're not taking care of ourselves in just some of the most basic ways amazing completely true so out of all the things that have been uh, positive changes you can list them all and then what do you think has been the biggest change or the biggest benefit in the last 100 days that you think is going to continue over well the rest of your life if this is something you don't do again um I'm proud of the parents I am now that's probably the biggest benefit um I I was not a bad parent before but I feel like I'm such a better parent uh I have more energy I want to play with the kids you know, there's so many times on a Friday or Saturday night that uh, my husband and I would sit around and just have a couple drinks and relax and would just kind of like let the kids do whatever they want, watch a movie, who cares, whatever. Um, now we like go do stuff. We're like, let's go do something together, you know? So just like my family unit has just been completely transformed and it's something that I am oh, the most proud of. It's amazing. So in that light, yeah. I for sure haven't given up anything. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh <laughs> uh, no, and it's like they're the kids are my reason. Like I want, I want to. My husband, I think, feels the same way. We we want to give them the best childhood we possibly can, and you know we're not going to be able to do that if we're drinking all the time. So I love that. And is he having any of the same kind of epiphanies? Do you talk about this since he's also not? Um, you know, he's not like a man of many words. So we do talk. Uh, and I don't need him to tell me how he feels because I, I know um, I can tell he's more confident. I can tell he's um, 
he spends a lot more time with our son. I know he's, I know he's proud of that. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I think like just through his actions, I could tell um, that he's just so much better that we're kind of like on the same field. We do talk a little bit about it, but we don't go into like great detail about our feelings because that's just never really been his thing. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So, and then obviously you I'm your trainer I see your lifts and all that stuff like that so talk a little bit about your physical uh response you touched on in the beginning but has that been well ongoing so yeah I feel like I'm just now uh starting to get to a point where I'm seeing some um physical benefits from it I mean I had clear skin right away uh I always had like pretty clear skin but now I I feel like I look younger like my skin glows um now that I don't drink and I never get you know zits anymore I used to get them during you know that time of the month um but I just don't really get that anymore so physical that that was probably the biggest like physical noticeable difference at first I will say this is not good for you, but I had severe sugar cravings when I quit alcohol. Um, and I just gave into them because I was trying to fight that ugly beast. Um, but now that I'm, you know, a few months in, I'm starting to like be more aware of my sugar intake and just like cut it way, way, way back, um, almost to zero. So I'm really making a valid effort now not to eat sugar. Uh, but yeah, at first, that is something that they that people don't really talk about and that you don't really know is a thing until you actually quit alcohol but your sugar cravings go off the chart and I've read that the reasoning for that is because there's sugar in alcohol and so if you're drinking it consistently your body still craves it and it still wants it in any form um and so a lot of people yeah, just give into the sugar cravings at first um, until they can kick the alcohol habit. And then you have to tackle the sugar next. <laughs> well, and luckily the so. same method works on the sugar. Cause that's, <laughs> I've used this. To oh yeah, my totally. Sugar, so that's cool. You already know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in my head, like in the early days of sobriety, I was like, I, I just going to eat all the sugar. Like I'm going to give into the sugar cravings because I can battle one thing at a time, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, like the last month, I would say I've been starting to be more aware of it and stop eating so much sugar. (laughs) And now that I've done that, I'm starting to like, just naturally see some results. Like I feel like now I stepped on the scale this morning and I was at 152, which is the lowest I've been in a really long time. So, yeah. And you're feeling strong. I know you were saying you were feeling really strong in the gym, which I feel so strong. I feel in the morning, I have little kids, so I have to work out in the morning early and I have so much energy. It's just, it's easy. I've never hung over. Um, and yeah, I feel good. And the thing I hated about, uh, drinking was I just, in my mind, I felt like I had to work off the alcohol. You know, I know it's unhealthy, but you feel like you have to like over, you feel like you have to compensate for it now. So I just don't have like the mental gymnastics now that like, Oh, I drank a bunch this weekend. Now I got to hit it hard in the gym this week and be like super anal about my eating to get back where I was before I started drinking on Friday, you know? 
Um, and that was one thing that was really noticeable this past weekend because it was Memorial weekend and I didn't drink. Obviously, I went to the cabin. Normally, I come back from the cabin feeling like a bag of, you know, D-I-C-K-S's. And um, I didn't feel like that this week. I felt great. And I just went right back into it. And actually, I didn't even work out on Sunday. Normally, I come back from the cabin and I work out that Sunday because I'm like, I feel so gross, you know. And I didn't uh, because I didn't feel gross. So I didn't feel the need to exercise on Sunday. I was just like, I'm going to rest today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's, the, um, that's also the thing that you gain is your yeah. time. You aren't yeah, catch your time. No, you're not ever playing catch up. Um, you waste so much time drinking. Like, you know, on a Friday night, like I said, I would probably start drinking at like five o'clock when I got home from work and we would, you know, until maybe nine o'clock. I mean, we wouldn't be drinking that whole time, like consistently, but um, I would have drinks throughout that period and I would become very lazy. Um, I would have ambitions on like a Saturday afternoon and then I would start drinking and my ambitions would just like completely dissolve. Like, and then I would just do not do nothing, do nothing that I had ambitions for. So I'm just way more productive now. Um, and I was already a productive person. So now it's just like supercharged. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the benefits are honestly just countless. You can't even list them all. Well, the you were mentioning to me before we started um, the Amazon reviews. So I pulled up some of the Amazon oh, yeah. <laughs> reviews for this book. And, you know, it's like you like anything you read reviews. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. But there's... um. On this version of the book, there's several versions for sale, but this one's got 6,800 reviews and 77% of them are five-star and then 11% are four-star, but there's just a couple that are one or two or three. I mean, people say like this book has changed my life. Um, It helped to, for people, he's got a version of this book on drinking and on smoking and uh, (laughs) the same. Yeah, I've heard the smoking is really good too. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So, um, and I, you know, I want him to, I could rewrite this book about, you know, to stop eating sugar. Um, yeah. Oh, look it. There is Alan Carr's easy way to quit emotional eating. It's an audible book. Someone already did it. <laughs> there you go. I didn't need to, I didn't need to take my pen and, and highlight it all, but um, you know, it's real. So, I mean, I would say this is a book I was, I bought a stack of them and I'm handing them to my clients, especially the ones that have a hard time with the alcohol, you know, I have a lot of clients, they're not alcoholics. They would never define themselves as that. It's not taking over their life. But as far as feeling good in their skin and hitting weight loss goals and fitness goals, it's the only thing keeping them from getting results. And so I, I, I'm handing them this book. I handed it to a client today just Mm -hmm. to say, keep an open mind, read the book all the way through. And if you want to throw it out or give it back to me, fine. But I have a really hard time believing that anybody could read this book and not find an amazing, clear path forward to overcoming that last little stronghold of alcohol on behaviors. Um, So what would you say to anybody reading it as far as like, um, you know, what to look for or, or why they should read this book? Um, I mean, read it if you have ever questioned your drinking at all, you know, even just like a little bit, uh, because you know, you know that it's probably a problem or, uh, that it's maybe not serving you 
and uh you know I was sober curious for a long time but I just didn't think I was I would ever be capable of just not drinking I thought that was kind of crazy um and yeah I think you should read it if you have ever even slightly questioned your drinking um, because you you probably will get out of it um some amazing stuff even if you don't quit completely uh you you still probably will get a lot of knowledge out of it that'll make you want to pr- at, at the very least taper back uh quite a bit so i think so too. Um, one thing i will say too is like people who think they have fun i didn't mention this before but like i have more fun now because when i was doing the mental gymnastics I was like, okay, someone invited me out on a boat on Saturday and then I got invited to something else on Sunday. I can probably only do one because I don't want to be drinking all weekend. And now I just, I go to all the things like I get, you know, I go everywhere. I do everything because I have the energy because I don't need to recover from one of the things, you know? (laughs) So you actually become like, for me, I've become more social and I've seen that with my husband too. I feel like he's more social too um because he's not a very social person to begin with (laughs) and so now he is because he's got like the energy to tackle to tackle something you know yeah Um, that's a great but yeah and then I the other last last thing is have you ever woken up and wished you hadn't drank the night before and pretty much all of us can say yes I have woken up and thought to myself I wish I had not drank last night. And if you have have thought that ever, read the book. Yeah, um, love that. Because that was the single most quote from the book that I has stuck with me that I have remembered. It's have, I have never woken up in the morning and wished I had drank the night before, but I have woken up in the morning countless times wishing I had not. And so um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And that speaks volumes. 100%. Yeah, that's so true. I have never woken up and thought, man, I wish I would have eaten more donuts last night. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I've woken up many times. Why did I do that? It's so true. It's so true. This book, um, so right in the beginning of the book, he lays out a very good roadmap talking about Um, you know, why this essentially is easy, you know, building the case. But he talks about that when you really get it out of your head that not drinking, um, that it's not so hard. It's not difficult and it's not painful because life immediately becomes more enjoyable. Immediately. Yeah. Your health is better. Your sleep is better. You feel a sense of control. You're able to be honest with yourself, with everyone else. You build self-respect immediately. You get so much of your time back and we haven't even talked about like money, the amount of money that you save by not drinking or for me, binge eating. I mean, when I'm going to go binge eat, I don't care if it's $60 in junk food and half of it ends in the trash. Like nothing's going to get between me and it. And even in Miami here, I would imagine drinking is even more expensive, but it's not cheap. You get your, your money back too which yeah I don't I mean, know yeah going alcohol, out to but... dinner a dinner tab used to cost us like over a hundred dollars easy for the two of us and our two kids because we would get a couple drinks with dinner um every time and now it's like we go to dinner it's like 50 50 bucks <laughs> yeah 
it's it's expensive. Yeah, for sure. So it's very expensive. There's no reason not to read this book. Um, so I, I mean, you would think that we were getting a commission from it. We should find out how we can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, read read. I would encourage people to like you pulled up the Amazon comments. Read the comments, guys. I read them before I read the book, um, and I was like, this is crazy. I mean, I didn't really believe all of the stories on there. But now that I've read the book, I'm like, yeah, I 100% believe all those stories. I believe they're real. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just looking on Amazon. So he, this book, I didn't realize this till now, um, but he's got this this process of logic. He's got um, the easy way to lose weight, quit sugar, quit caffeine, get out of debt, quit uh, smoking, quit vaping, quit cannabis, quit the smartphone. So this logic he's using lovely is applied to basically anything that, you know, anything that takes away your sense of control over what you're doing and habits that end up taking from your quality of life. That's a problem. You don't have to be diagnosed as an addict and put into rehab to be able to say, I have an unhealthy relationship with this one behavior. And that, for that reason alone um, is worth looking at it. You have one life. Don't you want to be present for all of it? All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Kristen. We recorded another one talking to you. And it never got published. So (laughs) I'm going to publish this one. All right. You better. Thanks so much. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.